Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Episode 145 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Time to engage in some legitimate political discourse. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. Welcome to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I'm Chris Hahn, your host with the most. Thank you again for tuning in, liking, subscribing, telling friends about this podcast. It makes a world of difference. I, I can't tell you how much I enjoy the support I've been getting from my many listeners. I've been getting lots and lots of texts and emails and really, really, truly love it. Uh, keep it up. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe, rate, and review. And again, tell a friend. And follow me on Twitter. I'm at Christopher Hall on Twitter. Uh, great show. i got Ellis Hennigan joining me as uh, the interview later on. But I have to start by discussing the RNC. Um, clearly we have a political party that's a cult. If you're going to look at what happened on January 6th, and you're going to refer to it as legitimate political discourse, people beating on cops, people saying, hang Mike Pence, pepper spraying police officers, peeing and smearing their feces on the walls of the Capitol, forcing elected representatives to run for their lives. You're going to call that legitimate political discourse? We've got a real problem in this country with one of our major parties, and I think there's going to be a reckoning. Uh, you know, one of the things I agree with Marjorie Taylor Greene on, which happened today, uh, she said that there needs to be a civil war within the Republican Party. I, I'm, I'm assuming she doesn't mean a bloody civil war, but I do think that the you know traditional governing wing of the Republican Party if it still exists, needs to have it out with the cultists that are going to say we need to have that January 6th was legitimate political discourse. Of course, they said this while they were censuring Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, two of the most conservative members of the House of Representatives, that the only thing they've done wrong in their entire history of being members of Congress, according to Republicans, is you know side with the truth over Donald Trump. They are basically the cult of Donald Trump. Donald Trump, who we've learned, violated the presidential records. Did you ever think for a second that he wouldn't have? Uh, so, you know, for those of us who are holding our breath thinking, oh, yeah, everything's going to be in great shape. All the records that Donald Trump, uh, they kept them just like every other president since we passed the Presidential Records Act. Nope, of course not. He was tearing up papers after he read them. And there were people who were taping them back together and trying to comply with the law. So we'll see 
how bad it was. But uh, yeah, Donald Trump did not comply with the Presidential Records Act. There's a clause in there that says if you don't comply with this rule, you can't run for public office ever again. I don't know how constitutional that clause is. We'll probably find out, but something's got to be done, right? Where is this battle for the soul of the Republican parties? I mean, Rona Romney, Mitt Romney's niece, presided over that disaster of a meeting last week where they censured Kinzinger and they censured Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney is on the outs with the Republican Party. About three years ago, she was the savior of the Republican Party. They were they put her into leadership. She was the next generation of Cheneys coming to, to lead House Republicans. I, I, I am stuck on it. I don't know why this conversation isn't dominating media. I know it was a couple days ago. And we talked about it over the weekend. It was on all the Sunday shows. I talked about it on my radio show on WABC in New York. But this should be the number one topic of conversation when trying to address Republicans right now. To consider what happened on January 6th, legitimate political discourse, is the most un-American thing I have ever heard in my life. Violence political violence is not what this country is about. It is not how we solve our disputes. We solve our disputes at the polls. We do not solve our disputes with tanks in the streets here like they do in a lot of third world countries. This is a real problem. We got a party here that is not committed to the American experiment. They are not committed to it anymore. They are committed to power for power's sake, no matter what. And far too many of them believe the big lie and you can't even talk them off the ledge no matter what you do. So don't even try anymore. It's not worth it. There's nothing you can say to these people. If Donald Trump came out today and conceded that he lost, which by the way, he did over the weekend where he, when he said, I, I wanted Mike Pence to overturn the election. Overturn the election is what he said. Not, you know, correct the record of what happened. No, he wanted Mike Pence to overturn the election. And then Mike Pence came out and spoke to the Federalist Society and said, no, 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 I did not have the authority to do that. Donald Trump was wrong, he said. About time, Mike. Donald Trump was wrong for the last six years. Where you been? You've been covering up for him. You've been enabling him. Having you by his side during the the uh, the presidential election in 2016, especially after the Access Hollywood tape, is why he got elected. It's why evangelicals trusted him. Because of you. And let me tell you something. I do not think you're a hero, Mike Pence. I appreciate you telling the truth now. I do. I'm not one of these people who say, oh, everything's bad. No, I appreciate you telling the truth now. You want to be a hero? Volunteer to testify before the January 6th committee. Don't even make the mask. Just volunteer. Go do it. Go do it and do it for your country. I remember Mike Pence used to always say, uh, I'm a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order. Well, where is an American in your order, Mike Pence? Where is being an American in your hierarchy of who you are? Because if you're truly an American, if you truly believe in what this country has stood for for 240 plus years, if you truly believe in our constitution, if you truly believe that we settle 
our political differences civilly and at the ballot box, and that when you lose an election, you shake the hand of your opponent, you congratulate them, and you go and you try another day. If you truly believe that, Mike Pence, volunteer to testify. Go do it. Don't make me ask. Don't make the committee ask. Don't ask first. Don't wait for a subpoena. Your career in politics is over. Let's be clear, right? Barring a Republican civil war that is won by the anti-Trumpers, by the, yeah, by the anti-Trumpers, your career is over. And by the way, even if it is won by the anti-Trumpers, I don't think Trump's vice president's the guy they're going to choose. So I'm thinking right now, Mike, your career in politics is over. You're not going to be president of the United States. Nobody's going to appoint you to the Supreme Court. You know, if you want to run for Senate at some point in Indiana, maybe you have a chance there. But beyond that, it's over. You're not going to be president. So do what you can for your country now. Man up, have mother by your side, go to the committee and testify and tell everything you know, all the pressure that was put on you, not just about January 6th, but throughout the Trump administration. Tell the truth to the American people. Where is being an American in your pecking order, in your hierarchy of who you are, Mike Pence? I want to know. I think the American people want to know. And if it's anywhere near the top, you will do exactly what I said. You will go to that committee and you will testify. And when you do that, I'll forgive you for enabling that guy a little bit. But I think it would help. So... All right, I got a great guest. His name is Alice Hennigan. He's been on the show before. He's an author, a columnist. He used to be, uh, he used to write a column in Newsday and AM New York and a bunch of other places that you might have read him over the years. But he's a, a major author, comes on the show all the time. Great guy. We talk about a variety of topics. So listen to him and uh, stick around. I'll be back on the other end to uh, wrap up the show. Joining me now, Ellis Hennigan. He is a friend of the Chris Hahn Show, an author, a columnist. A man about town. Ellis, how you doing? You have friends? I have friends. You're one of my... I count you as a friend. <laughs> uh, when I ran into you on the train platform in New York City, we, we, rode, the, we rode the train home together. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I've spent so... My social life really sucks these days. Let's just be honest. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't see that many people. COVID, people are still a little paranoid about COVID, so... It is good to remember that I still have a few friends. Well, I count you as a friend, even though you're down in the free state of Florida right now. That is right. I came down here to test the mask limits. <laughs> <laughs> so what is wrong with the governor of Florida where he feels like a reporter asking him to denounce Nazis as some sort of political attack? I mean, if there was ever an easier question, do you denounce the Nazis? The answer is very simple. Yes, I denounce the Nazis. <laughs> this is not... This is not the moment to reach for nuance. Right. No. Uh, I don't, you know, listen, he's obviously kind of, uh, you know, feeling cocky these days. Here's the reality. I think. If Donald Trump runs for president in 2024, uh, Governor DeSantis doesn't have a prayer. There is no way that if there is some head-to-head contest between Donald Trump and this other pretend Trump guy, right. that the pretend guy is going to win. That's just not possible. Right. So it seems to me the only real play is, you know, he's got to go be Trumpy and then hope Trump disappears. Trump doesn't but seem to like why? it, though. <laughs> no, not at all. And why, why, you know, peeve Trump? I mean, which just doesn't make... I don't understand the political logic of it. I, you know, I've been to Florida a lot. Um, I'm half Jewish, as you know, and 
Uh, both the Italian side and the Jewish side moved down to Florida in their older years. It seems to be there's a lot of Jews in Florida. I, I, I might want you might want to denounce Nazis if you want to get reelected in Florida. I, I know it seems like here in you know February that the Republicans can't lose this year, but you know endorsing Nazis in a state with 20 percent of the vote is Jewish might not do you too well when you only won by 0.3 percent of the vote last time. Not just me. Right. What, what, what is the upside? The other piece of it is whoever it is that you might attract with that kind of um, rhetoric, right? They're going to vote for you anyway. Yeah. Right? They're not going to be Charlie Crist voters. Are they? Right. No, they're not. They're either going to vote for you anyway or not vote at all. I, I, I don't I don't you know. And by the way, if, if you're really hoping to attract the Nazi vote, maybe uh-huh. America is not the place for you to be in elected office. That's just the way I see it. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you're down uh, there, right? You don't live down there full time. You just got a place down there, right? I don't I don't have a place to know. I just I'm just down just on a little short visit. No, I don't I, I my my other life is in New Orleans. Not, got it. So I'm a I'm my if I'm gonna be what are they called, bi regional, um, that's New York and and, yeah. and New Orleans. Got it. So you, my ancestral home where my people are, where I grew up, and I feel a connection to that. No, I'm, I'm passing through. You're just down there having a little fun, and I appreciate you taking some time out of your fun time uh, to uh, spend some time with me talking about it. But, you know, as you've been down there, I don't know. I look at the numbers in the polls in Florida. I don't I don't see him as an invincible candidate for governor even right now. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I don't get the cockiness around him. Yeah, I think he may be miscalculating a little bit. I, you know, I think there is an audience for I don't want no co stinking COVID restrictions. Right, I mean, there are people who feel like that. I, you know, we don't notice as much of it in in places like New York or or, or DC or, or LA, but it's. I mean, there is an audience for that. I think. Um, whether it's rational or responsible, or we can debate. Right. But, but I think that part's fine. But people don't want crazy. I mean, that guy he put up, and I'm forgetting his name right now. But the his uh, is, is he called the Surgeon General? He's called the Surgeon General, the guy who wouldn't wear a mask for the cancer surviving state senator. Right. Exactly. And wouldn't even answer the most basic questions. You know, does a vaccine help you? You know, he just could not answer any of it. I think mostly for ideological. Not- oh, oh, clearly for performative reasons. Right. It is not like he doesn't know the answer. He knows the answer. He's probably he was probably triple vaxxed immediately. Um, right. well, but all these people are. All yeah. These people. Are. Yeah. I mean, it, it drives me a little nutty when all of these you know, vaxxed people who work for networks that you can't even get in the front door unless you present your vaccine status. Uh, as I know, because I've been through the front door of those networks yep. during COVID, yep. uh, it is, yep. it's, it's, it's amazing to me how they are pandering to this part of the country that is just, just, just like listening to nonsense for what? I mean, it, I, I mean, what do you got to lose? Two billion people have taken the vaccine. I don't see anybody with an extra head. No, and we've had, I mean, it's a lot, a lot of people. And if there were problems, we would we would know about it. The evidence is just, uh, you know, if, if you believe in science, if you believe in medicine. I mean, listen, I don't want to go back to the 1600s when everybody died at 32. Right. Neither do I. Um, you know, I. 
Right. I don't. I don't know that the drug companies are necessarily the greatest uh, people in the world. I know that doctors sometimes make mistakes. I get all of that. Yep. But on balance, you know, if I've got cancer, I'm going to Sloan Kettering. Right. If I've got heart problems, I want a cardiologist. I'm not going to go on YouTube and get a witch doctor. No. No. To me, on balance, I'm better off that way. No. Like guys like Aaron Rodgers, you know, uh, when his toe got broken in the NFL, he went to a doctor. He didn't call Joe Rogan for advice. (laughs) He didn't go on YouTube and find some guy who said, no, roads are made to be broke. Yeah, no, no. There's none of that going on. Now you got these states like Tennessee saying, you know what, maybe we should remove all vaccine restrictions for kids in school. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's chaos. Yeah, that's you know, it's interesting. The debate the debate nationally has not shifted to that yet, right? I don't hear most people saying we ought to not do smallpox or mumps and measles and but I mean, it's kind of it's kind of the logical extension, right? If you don't believe the doctors, why should you believe them about anything? Right? Why should you believe them about anything? Oh my God! Oh, well, listen, it makes it's. It, I'll tell you this: this is a subject that it's easy to feel smart about because yeah. the people on the other side really don't. They don't really. They, they, I don't think they can really make a cogent argument. No. No, they can't make it. You, you, you know, you have the, you know, it used to be like, oh, well, the FDA hasn't fully approved it yet. Uh, okay. But you're willing okay, to no. risk your life with uh, a horse dewormer, which the FDA doesn't approve either. Or <laughs> at all. It never will. Right, right. Or hydroxychloroquine. Or, oh, by the way, if you do get sick, you'll take this really experimental monoclonal antibody treatment, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, came along after the vaccine. Uh, it, it's just, it, it amazes me. You know, now that the FDA has fully approved Moderna, uh, I, you know, there should be no excuse. Just, just roll up your sleeve and get vaccinated. Well, I don't know. Listen, I do, I do know this. It's very difficult to convince anybody on this topic. I mean, no. you can argue, you know, and I have, listen, I've got relatives who have those feelings. Me too. I, you know, I know, I know folks, I mean, and I, and I don't, you know, I, I, it's funny. I have one, one friend from college, super smart guy. He's an inventor, successful businessman. He's a, you know, really, really sharp guy. And he's kind of gone down the rabbit hole. And I've had a couple of long conversations with him about it. And, you know, I try to listen, and, and then I'll just try to get him to agree to just the kind of basic principles. But I don't know. I don't think I've made any progress. Yeah. Oh, I feel that way. I, I feel that way with some people in my family. I'm like, yeah. um, guys, I mean, I mean, I'm as inside as you get. I worked in the U.S. Senate for the majority leader now. I, I took the vaccine. Me. I gave it to my – I let my daughter take it, who's you know a teenager. I, 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 I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with it. Go do it. It's, it's fine. And they're like, oh, I don't know. I saw this thing on the internet. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Uh, I guess you think I'm part of the deep state, even though I don't work for the state anymore. I, I, I it, no, but that's the thing, you know. You got a you got a state like Florida, though, where you got a lot of old people. Hey, I mean, this is real. I mean, you know, I I, I love my you know older relatives. Me too. I, I don't want bad things to I don't want bad things to happen to them. And, yeah, you know, they are a little more at risk and. You know, I mean, I want to live till I'm really old. I don't, I don't want to, you know. Me too. I don't, don't want to go out because of some bug. No way. Yeah. All right. So, but if you're seriously, but if your listeners could come up with a good argument that likes to convince anybody, I sure love you. Well, I think we got to just stop bullying them. That's for sure. Ellis, uh, we're talking about uh, the governor's problem with the Nazis. Whoopi Goldberg got into some problem with the Nazis this week too. I denounced her on TV. 
uh, which I hated doing because I kind of like Whoopi. And I didn't think that she, I didn't think she was a hater. I thought she was just ignorant in what she said, and I hated it. It drove me nuts. Yeah, I, I, I think she's just stumbled into that. I, I, don't, I don't think she and DeSantis are in the same place. I think they're. I think it's a different situation. I mean, listen, it's obviously, you know, the question of is it racial, right? The term racial, the Nazis, um, and their hatred of Jews. Is that a racial thing? I, I don't know. I, there's nothing about her that makes me think that that was anything. Other no, I didn't either. Clumsy, stupid, and, and unknowing, maybe. Yes, unknowing is the right way to put it. She did apologize, right? I mean, DeSantis still has not denounced the Nazis. I mean, these guys were beating people up in Orlando, you know, outside of Starbucks, which I think I've been to. Okay, and it, it's like I, I, I am. I, I mean, I, I think I went. They all look the same, but I, I spent a lot of time in Orlando over the last couple of years. My brother-in-law lives there. Uh, it's, it's a, you know, I, I, I mean, you got Nazis beating up people in the streets in Florida, and the governor trying to think, think, thinks it's a gotcha question to being asked to denounce it. At least Whoopi went on TV the next day and apologized for it. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, the question for you is: Do you think that they should have suspended her, or you think that's a little too much? You know, it's, listen, it's probably fine. I had the sense that it was all a little bit orchestrated, that it was like, okay, you're going to do this, I'm going to do this, you're going to say this. I mean, it was like, how do we get through this thing? Right. Without it harming the woman who really is the center of that show. I mean, I know they're all co-hosts and all that, but she's the Barbara Walters of that show. Well, yeah, she's the Oscar winner on that show, you know? Right. And she's, you know, and the others can, you know, you can imagine any of them leaving any week. Right. Um, right. But, uh, yeah, I I mean, I think the situation at CNN in many ways is more complicated and yeah. more, more interesting. And, and I got to tell you, I'm a little torn about it. I'm not at all comfortable with with the way that's come. The in. fact that he le- I mean, maybe it's more than what we've been told. Uh, but it was, it seemed like there was a consensual relationship going on there that he was supposed to have reported to his HR department. Uh, and he did not. It seems like maybe there's something we're missing, right? Like to me, it just seems like that's not enough to resign over. Now, listen, let's, let's take this apart a second because it is interesting. I mean, I understand the, the logic that says bosses should not be sleeping with their subordinates. It's a power problem. Yep. You know, there's all kind of potential for horrible yep, abuse, yep, that, yep, yep. including at other television networks. If you want to, if you want to look for thirty seconds, yeah. But, but, um, you know, the, these are, you know, this is. I mean, certainly seems to be a consensual relationship. She's not acting aggrieved. It, it is something that got swept up in a very bitter dispute with Chris Cuomo. Yeah. Um, you know, there was kind of a pawn in another game. Um, you know, maybe there's some other horrible thing that we don't know about, but given the fact that we are here to me, this, this is not, in the whole me too problem, we have never been able to separate the monsters from the jaywalkers. Yeah. You know, yeah. Harvey Weinstein, you know, and Roger Ailes and Jeffrey Epstein. 
uh, those people are monsters. Yep. Those people are monsters. Bill Cosby. But there's an awful lot of, right, there's a Bill Cosby, but there's a whole lot of people who've really gotten swept up in this in rough ways. You know, maybe they didn't do things exactly right, but they're not monsters. Right. And I, and I think that's a distinction that we're having trouble making in our in our society. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we can't make the distinction? Why do you think it's just like death penalty for everybody? Uh, you know, I mean, I think there's just a kind of a political momentum. Companies are scared. They're like, uh, you know, we're going to get in trouble over this. I mean, I listen, I, I've got a couple of friends who, you know, have been like, you know, done things. They're like, yeah, you know, probably weren't. I mean, I'm not going to use names, but I may have a media friend, someone you probably know, who essentially was having an affair in the office. And it ended up just ruining his career. I mean, yeah. Consensual thing to a you know to adults, you know. I mean, I don't know. Again, I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to say all that stuff is perfectly fine, but it shouldn't be ca- career capital punishment. I don't think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think you gotta. You know, look. I, I I accept that there should be rules, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, we we do need to separate the Harvey Weinstein's from the guy who you know made an awkward you know attempt to date somebody in the office and then you know right. was told no. Uh, so it is, it is, you know, there's something, something wrong about that. Uh, you know, uh, you know, we'll figure it out, I guess, in the long run. I have a feeling there's more to it. I also, you know, I've been saying this and I'll say it again. Chris Cuomo wasn't fired because he protected his brother. Chris, Chris Cuomo was fired because women stopped watching his show and his ratings tanked because of his brother. Uh, and that's, that's really why, uh, CNN got rid of him though. If he, if his ratings were, were strong, he'd still be there. That's an interesting. Yeah, I, I I don't know the numbers as well as you do, but I you know I, I know that people who are doing great can pull a lot of stuff. I, I know and that people who are I, not doing great can't pull much. I don't know about you, but I am a brother. My brother unfortunately died a, a couple years ago, but I would do anything for my brother. Right, I would walk through a wall for my brother. He'd do anything for me. He's my brother. My brother gets in trouble. I want to protect my brother. Chris Cuomo protecting his brother doesn't seem like that big of a sin to me. Uh, you know, it just doesn't. And, you know, Chris Cuomo wasn't the guy, you know, with his hands all over the women. It was his brother. Chris Cuomo was trying to help his brother out of a jam. And that's what brothers do. So, Uh, you know, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you 100 percent on that. Um, You know, unfortunately, there's some heavy fallout here. too. Definitely. Ellis. So a big Supreme Court battle brewing in the U.S. Senate. Biden has pledged uh, to promote a black woman to the United States Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Democrats are down one senator temporarily as uh, Senator Lujan of New Mexico has had a stroke and will be out for about four weeks. Um, Big times in the Senate right now. Uh, Lots going on. I know you've got stuff to say about it. Well, I mean, it just shows how fragile life is when it's 50-50, right? Yeah. I mean, it's 100 people. And, and honestly, uh, Senator Lujan is not necessarily the first person that you would think would be, uh, you know, would be felled by a serious help. No, he's young. He's one of the younger ones in the Senate. He's young for a senator. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, I, you know, it's. Uh, it's very, it's very scary. Now let's again. Can we can we talk about this without being accused of being macabre? I yes. Mean, it's real life politics. Yeah. So so it looks like from what I'm hearing that he's going to be okay. That's what we. That's what they say. It, yes. I mean, it's seen now. You know, you really can. You, how confident of that can you be? There's a certain tendency to spin that kind of stuff. But 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 
if he's not okay, New Mexico is a place where what? There's a Democratic governor. Right? Yep, Democratic governor, Democratic legislature. They and put a Democrat in, a in Democratic, two seconds. Yeah. Pretty much of a Democratic state. So yes. I mean, it's not a it's not a place where the death of the incumbent is likely to switch the party balance in the long term. But you know, the rules still say you got to be there to vote. Right? Yeah, you got to be there to vote. It's not like the House where you can give a proxy. In the Senate, you got to be there to vote. And so, and so, what the timeline? They're saying four to five weeks, something like that. If that holds up, that's fine because this stuff is not going to breach a vote in, in 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 a month. No, he hasn't even named the person yet, and they've got to have hearings. Right, right. And you know, thirty right. days was the right. fastest. Right. So, the, so the timing, at least at the moment, that it's probably okay. And Breyer's not going anywhere till July anyway. So right, he's not out of Italy till the end of the uh, right the end of the term. But I mean, listen, there's so many dominoes. So, so first, you got to figure out who's going to get appointed this time. Secondly, you got to ask, are there going to be any other vacancies? Right. I, mean, I was reading stuff today about people pushing Roberts maybe to make a leap. Is that is, is there anything to that? No. How could that happen? Roberts is going to leave the court. Really? It doesn't make any. I don't. Well, that'd be great. So Biden can then appoint a chief justice, which would be which would be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but, but you, I, you know. It does make you, I have to say, it's, and I hate to even say this because, you know, she's such a wonderful person, but it does remind you of the dangers of the path that Judge Ginsburg followed. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, how different life would be. You know, I, listen. It's you know, I don't. I don't like telling. Well, there would be uncertainty right now as to the future of Roe Ro v. Wade. You know, and I've been saying this. I don't know if we've had this conversation yet, but you know, the Republicans are probably going to take the House. But what's going to save the Democrats in the Senate is Roe v. Wade's going to get overturned. And uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, I, that is going to matter. And the Democrats need to be. Very clear that Roe v. Wade was overturned, not that, oh, no, you could still have an abortion for the first 10 weeks. No, Roe v. Wade was overturned by this decision. That's going to happen. Uh, and I would be sh- and if Roe v. Wade is not overturned, either way this goes, let's say the Republicans decide that uh, they're going to strike down these laws in Mississippi, the Republicans mm-hmm. in the Supreme Court. Um, I, that would be devastating to Republicans. Because, you know, we've been fighting to get a majority on the Supreme Court. We now have a 6-3 majority, and you didn't do what we wanted you to do. Why are we coming out to That's vote for you? So they are That's damned if they do, damned if they don't right now. It is a bad, bad place for them to be. And I know Mitch McConnell's like, God, why'd they take this up this session? But it's going to happen, and it's going to happen at the end of June, last day of the session. It'll be handed up and handed down. And when it's handed down, it's going to be overturned. And the Democrats better get the messaging right on it. And then the messaging is the Republicans appointed justices that overturned Roe v. Wade. You want it back, you better vote Democratic. Yeah, it sure feels like that to me. I mean, I I understand there is that scenario where they can find some excuse not to do it or do it in a super narrow way or continue this minor chipping away. Right. But I don't know my my you know my friends that in the sort of the the abortion rights side of that debate I think all feel like it's going to happen. Yeah, and you know where you know where that's going to really suck if you're a Republican running for Senate in North Carolina, which has an automatic rule that once it's struck down, there's no abortion in North Carolina. <laughs> you know, I mean, good luck, good luck running for Senate in North Carolina. I, I think <laughs> I, I I I I mean, I know what the issue is going to be. It ain't going to be Biden's economy. 
It ain't going to well, be you're, Ukraine. You're, you're in a tough. You're in a tough. You're in a tough place here, Chris. Because on the one, now you almost you're wishing for something bad to happen so it'll help you. That's a little dangerous. Again, right? it helps me either way. I think. <laughs> I think the fact that it's even on the docket helps because, again, I, I, if I'm a conservative voter in America who for the last. 30 years have been voting, coming out, supporting Republican senators and presidential candidates in the hope that they would sometime, someday get enough votes on the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. Well, now they have the votes. Yeah. There's no excuse not to do it now. If they don't do it, I, and by the way, I know somebody who's very into that. That person happens to be my mother. Okay, I I know what my into it. How do you mean? My mother is very, very anti-choice. Very religious, very anti-choice. And I'm telling you, if these guys pass on it, she ain't going to be happy. It's going to be very hard to get her out to vote. <laughs> now, she lives you know, in New York, does. so it doesn't matter. But it, it, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it does bring up that uncomfortable place where something bad happens can be politically advantageous. It's, it's, it's like an uncomfortable place to be. It's a very uncomfortable place to be, but it is, you know what? Elections have consequences. And it's about time people recognize yep. that, that even these yeah. off-year elections have consequences. This, these, these guys on the Supreme Court are a direct consequence of people not voting for Hillary Clinton in 2016. They're like, eh, what difference does it make? Well, now you know. Now you know what difference it makes. You don't have the choice anymore. In some states, right? Well, and maybe de- maybe Democrats will learn at some point to elect people to legislatures and to the Secretary of State's jobs, and right? Process boring positions. You want to be Ron Johnson running for re-election in Wisconsin? Ron Johnson in a state where yeah. Democrats basically cost Hillary Clinton the election. You want to be that guy? You want to be running for Senate in Pennsylvania, another state? I mean, these are states. Where I think people look overwhelmingly in this country, people support the right to choose. It's like a 70, right. 70, 30 prospect at this point. Um, yeah. You know, you want to motivate people to get out to vote. You start taking away their rights and rights are being taken away by this conservative court. And that is going to I think that we pick up Pennsylvania, we pick up North Carolina, we pick up Wisconsin and we probably hold on to Georgia and and Arizona. Frankly, I think Arizona's flipped. I think Arizona's a blue state. Uh, so I, you know, I, I think that that's a, uh, you know, nothing could save the house, right? The house is doomed because of gerrymandering. Um, but it might not be the bloodbath people are calling for if, you know. Yeah, no, it's, it is interesting. I'm, I'm hearing the same thing that it really, it's going to, Democrats will lose, uh, you know, I mean, the out party, you know, history has a lesson that says that the. You know that the party who has the 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 presidency usually loses stuff, right? But it it may not be it may not be the end of the world. I hate to be an optimist, you know, it makes me nervous. But uh, well, I mean, it's so I'm, dark right I'm now. Nervous, yeah. It's so dark right now that the only way to have a prediction that anybody's going to remember is to say it's not going to be so bad. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. if you look at the numbers right now. By the way, I'm not sure. I'm not sure we're ever going to have a president who has high approval ratings anymore. Neither do I. I mean, I just think. I mean, I don't. It's you know, it, it is true. Biden's numbers are low. Trump's numbers were low. Um, whoever comes next, uh, tell me how they're going to have. Uh, who are we going to really love? Who is America going to rally around 
in a way that, that, that you know, Americans even rallied around Bill Clinton and, and, and certainly Ronald Reagan. Obama, to some extent, I think. Yeah. But I'm not sure that's going to come. I'm not sure that's coming back. Well, something's got to give, right? I mean, you know, there's something, this fever in this country has got to break. You know, I'm, I'm trying my best this year not to be mm-hmm. negative towards the opponents, you know, in a way that is like personal. I'm trying to like have intellectual debates and, you know, oppose people, yeah. but, you know, recognize their humanity. And uh, well, I think listen, I, I you, you're one of the last men standing on that in conservative television. Uh, I mean, there, you know, the, the number of, you know, people in any of these television networks that are pushed in the other direction is very, very small. these days. Yeah. You know, how many right wingers do you see on Rachel Maddow? You know? None. None. You don't see any right wingers on Rachel Maddow. You don't see any right wingers on most any place other than Fox at this point. You know, CNN's got one or two. You know, uh, ABC will bring you know Chris Christie on, who's not really a right winger, right? It, it's it's a it's 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 just a it's. It, I think that we've got to have conversations. We've got to keep talking yeah. to people. Yeah, I don't like that. It's to me much more interesting to have a spirited debate among people who don't seem like they hate each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I listen like you and I, I think you know, maybe it's funny. Cause this could be something you and I hold in common, which really is, is that we have big families with a lot of relatives. Yes. You know? And so we're used to having those conversations at the Thanksgiving table it is, at the, and at the backyard barbecue. It is exactly right. Uh, you know, and, and I've got a lot of relatives who don't agree with me. Most of my relatives don't agree with me. Yeah. I have a very yeah. conservative, very, you know, Catholic on, you know, on my Jewish side yeah. of the family, they all agree with me. But on yeah, my yeah, on yeah. my Catholic Italian side of the family, it, it's not the same. They don't agree with me. I, you know, some of them. Well, do. one of these one of these days, I got to drag you down to New Orleans and introduce you to the Hennigan. Oh, well, you don't you'll have to, get a, You'll get it here full. Believe uh, me. Trust me. You won't have to drag me. I love New Orleans. Well, I've never been to New Orleans, but I want to get some Cajun food. I got to get there. Ellis, I'm out of time. You're the uh, best. Yeah, really Where do you want people to follow you? I don't know. Go to the website, Hennigan.com. It's, uh, it's probably the best place to start. You got all the books and all the other. Well, there you go. I'm sure he's working on something awesome. So check out Hennigan.com. Ellis Hennigan, thanks for joining me. Good being with you, man. All right, I'm back. Hope you enjoyed Ellis. Ellis is a great guy. I always enjoy talking to him. I've been talking to Ellis my whole life, uh, my whole political life anyway. I've, I've known him since I was like a 22-year-old running for county legislator. Oh, back in the 90s, back in the day. Uh, so I enjoyed it. Look, um, this legitimate political discourse coming from the party that once gave us legitimate rape uh, shouldn't be surprising to any of us, but man, I am blown away by it. I mean, I, you know, I knew that they were going to censure or kick Cheney and Kinzinger out of their party because they, you know, dare to seek the truth about what happened on January 6th and how the former guy was involved with it. But, you know, to claim, you know, this is just the MO of Trump, really. Like, first you you denounce it, then you say it wasn't so bad, and then you say it just didn't even happen even though it's right in front of your eyes. This is what dictators do. This is what people who are trying to con you do. Don't believe what your eyes see. It's all made up. No, no, no. We all watched it in real time. We all saw it happen. And for them to, to you know, I guess they think we're stupid. I guess they think that their members are stupid. And, and maybe some of them are, or maybe they just, maybe they're not stupid. They just want to believe 
that this didn't happen and that maybe these people were patriots who were really uh, concerned about the election. I don't know, but there is going to be a split in the Republican Party over this. And if there isn't, God help us. And God help us if these guys go into the midterm united. Uh, they, they have an excellent chance picking up the House. I think that the Senate, though, is very much in play. I've talked about it ad nauseum. I'm sure I'll talk about it ad nauseum between now and November. I won't talk about it now. I'm going to end on a high note. So I, uh, I had a great weekend. Uh, the weather was chilly here in New York. I got a great run in on Saturday. I knew it was going out to dinner at a place I liked. So I got an extra couple of miles in. Sunday, I just wanted to take it easy. So no watch, just left the house, went out for a jog, really. Uh, ran out to this marsh by my house and got onto the beach and said, you know what? The beach is kind of hard. You know, it was really cold and, and a lot of the sandy areas, of the beaches were kind of frozen. So I ran on the beach and I'm like, oh, you know what? Uh, I ran to an inlet and I'm like, you know, I'm going to go run out to the point. And I run out to the point and there are the seals. Now, I, I always say this is the, my favorite time of year around here. It's seal season. And it was a beautiful sunny day. It was low tide. There was a big seal sitting on a rock. And I looked just a little past it. And I thought what I was looking at was somebody's kayak. That maybe had like drifted out to sea or, you know, maybe got, came off of its mooring during a storm or not mooring, but, you know, came off the kayak rack during the storm and was just floating out there. And I was like, ah, oh, poor guy. I lost a kayak. It looked like a nice big kayak. Got a little closer and it was like five seals on a little rock. And it was the coolest thing. And they all jumped off the rock when they saw me, which was odd because I was, you know, I couldn't be, I was probably about a hundred yards away from them. Uh, they were out in the water. I wasn't going out in that water. It was probably like, you know, 40 degrees or something like that. Uh, it was like the the air was 30 degrees. So I can't imagine what the water was that day. Uh, but I wouldn't have gone out anyway. <laughs> um, where there are seals, there are sharks. So if you see seals, if you see seals, do not go in the water because there is a shark waiting to have lunch somewhere nearby. But it was a beautiful day. Had a great jog. Didn't think about politics at all. Uh, enjoyed myself, uh, and, and I, and I'm hoping that you, I know this time of year is tough for a lot of people to get outside, especially in the Northeast or the Northern part of this country. I know I've got listeners in Alaska. Um, it's, it's tough. It's tough this time of year, but I hope you're getting out, getting that fresh air. Uh, you know, it's been a little rainy, been a little snowy. I try to get out every day. You guys know I'm on this crazy run streak. I'm addicted to it, but it's really the free, the fresh air, the being out there, the getting lost in your own thoughts. Try to think about something other than the next political crisis, which the media is feeding you. I mean, I, I'm look, I'm taking time out to watch the Olympics, which has its own politics. I know, but you know what? I'm not going to boycott watching these people who have spent their entire life training for this moment. And I'm not going to let China's ridiculous policies or Russia's ridiculous policies or even our own ridiculous policies, you know, get in the way of, of me celebrating those, uh, those fine people who, who worked so hard, uh, to, you know, to have this brief moment in the spotlight. It's such a short time in your life. You get to participate in sports at a high level. So uh, I hope you take some time to watch them. And I hope you take some time to get outside, no matter what part of the country you are in right now. And breathe the fresh air and uh, think good thoughts. And with that, I'm going to remind you, as I always do, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there. And I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast.
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.